the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 249. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Steph. We are bringing the latest news from May 13th through June 2nd. We're bringing all of the latest news and comic reviews from the world of the Batman Universe. We have a good chunk of news this time around, as well as a good chunk of listener comments, which I, I swear every time we have a good chunk of news, we get a good chunk of comments. So we're going to dive straight into the news, and then we'll get into our reviews. So first up, May 17th, it was announced that DC is going to be doing some more Looney Tunes special crossovers with DC characters. And these are all going to be released on... On August 29th, they're going to be priced at $4.99 and have 48 pages. Out of the four that are actually being released, three of them are all pertaining to the DC Universe, or I should say pertaining to the Batman Universe. All of them are obviously pertaining to the DC Universe. I was about to say, yeah. The one that we won't be covering on the website or mentioning here on the podcast outside of this announcement is that there is a Lex Luthor Porky Pig special. And yeah, I mean, some of these cover arts <laughs> look insane. It looks like they definitely tried to go the route that Tom King was going with Elmer Fudd and Batman rather than some of the cartoonish versions that they went with the last time around. All of the cover art for all of these, which you can find over on the site under Comic News, all of them look extremely realistic as if they are trying to go for that Elmer Fudd version of what Tom King did last year with the Elmer Fudd special. So the other ones that we've got, we've got Catwoman, Tweety, and Sylvester. This is going to be written by Gail Simone with art by Anaki Miranda. A Harley Quinn Gossamer special, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor with art by Pierre Brito. And then we have the Joker Daffy Duck special, which is written by Scott Lobdell and art by Brett Booth and Norb. Rapamund. Also, interestingly enough, some of these are going to have backup stories, or they're all going to have backup stories, but they're not specifically saying which characters are going to be featured in the backup stories. Weirdly enough, none of these actually say anything about a Tasmanian Devil one, hmm. but the only reason I bring this up is because I just saw something on Twitter over the weekend. Tom King posted something that said it looked like he was writing a script because it was the typical, you know, comic script. I mean, it was word process, let's be honest here, but it looked like it was a script because he's posted stuff like this before. But it was Taz, colon, and then it was like a, a bunch of like gerbil stuff that Taz would say. And I kept thinking like... They never announced anything with Taz. It could be a cameo. Yeah, well, I guess. But why would he not get writer's credit if he was cameoing somewhere? Unless he's just writing the script for Taz, which is... Unlikely. Oh, Pony, who knows? He could get fired from Batman. He's got to do something. (laughs) Yeah. So those are the three ones. We'll be covering these on the website, the three that I mentioned. Um, Some of these... I think will be more interesting than others. Daffy Duck pays a call to the Acme corporate headquarters in Gotham City, but it turns out that Joker is occupying the Acme headquarters. That's kind of interesting. And it looks like, based off the cover art, that he becomes a henchman for the Joker. So, so why not? 
Yeah. All right. Next up, May 21st, Super Sons announced that they are returning in a new series. We talked about this briefly on the last episode. This was not a huge surprise because of what we talked about. There was a tweet that accidentally revealed that this was happening. But all in all being said, Super Sons is coming back in August. It's going to be a 12-issue maxi-series, which I believe this is the right way to go by saying up front it's only going to be 12 issues rather than saying here's an ongoing and we're only going to do 13, 14, 15, 18 issues. This is the way that they should be doing things and I've said that multiple times in the past. So basically, Peter Tomasi is going to be coming back as the writer. Uh, joining him will be Carlo Barberi. And they will be, the series is called Adventures of the Super Sons. First issue is hitting on August 1st. Like I said, it's going to be 12 issues. So it'll last through the following July. I have to say I'm, I'm quite pleased that this is coming back. Uh, if you read the Super Sons series and the way it ended just in the last couple of weeks... It ended in an interesting way where it definitely left some possibilities open for future stories. And quite happy that Super Sons is returning because it, it gives Damien the ability to actually feature in a book. Because Damien, during Rebirth, has become the Tim Drake of the New 52. I don't follow Superman, but I keep hearing things about Lois and John possibly being written out of the universe. Yeah, I don't yeah, see yeah. how they're going to be. Yeah, I've heard those two. I mean, the thing is, uh, cause for concern out there is there's two t causes for concern. Bendis. Bendis, number one, and Jeff Johns and what he's doing with Doomsday Clock, number two. More so Bendis, though, because Mike, uh, Brian Michael Bendis has come on and he's taking over the Superman books. And the Superman books, he's basically, he has full reign over the entire Superman universe at this point. And I mean point. full reign from what I understand. Yes. Yes, uh, absolute full reign. Like, nobody is holding him back and saying you can't do anything. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. He has proven that he can take characters and make them, you know, into something that is a little bit more interesting. But he is, doesn't have, like, a perfect track record either. Let's be clear about that. But he has a good enough track record where DC has no problem allowing him to come in and put his hands on this universe and say, okay, well, you can mold it however you want. And that's what he's doing. And some of the stuff that I've heard, and I've, I, at this point, the only thing we've gotten is a short story in the Superman, or Action Comics 1000. We've gotten the, sh the short story that was in DC Nation. And at this point of us recording, we've only gotten one issue of the Man of Steel miniseries. So it's impossible to know whether or not everything that's going to happen is going to be okay. But Everything that I've read and everything that I've heard him talk about doesn't seem like he's here to shake up everything, just shake up enough. Um, that being said, lots of people out there believe that it's entirely possible that the Lois and, and John thing could disappear. And it wouldn't be the first time because they do the exact same thing during the New 52 uh, with ending the marriage between Lois and Clark and then end up it was during Convergence that they reemerged as like these characters from an alternate universe. So the thing is like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible for them to write John out, but at least as long as this series is happening, it doesn't seem like he's going to disappear. Now, the one thing to keep in mind here is, and the reason why I said Jeff Johns is if you remember Doomsday Clock is happening in the future, not presently, and if you've read the latest issue of Doomsday Clock, it didn't seem like that Lois and Clark were having the best 
they didn't seem like they were on the best of terms. Let's just put it that way. That's being generous. Yeah. So who's to know whether or not they actually were married. And by the end of when doomsday clock rolls out, which is July of 2019, 2021, (laughs) hopefully not. But when doomsday clock finishes, which supposed to be at this point, July of 2019, then the DC universe is supposed to catch up. So who's to say that between now and then they don't get written out. And then of conveniently, the super sun series is going to wrap up in July. So, you know, never say never as far as that happening. I mean, I'm not going to say that because they've done it with all kinds of characters over the years. Luckily they haven't done that that much with rebirth. So they, hopefully there's not a reason to do that, but yes, outside of that, it would be unfortunate if, Superboy just disappeared. I don't know what they would do. I don't know if they would introduce... Send him back to Earth, whatever he came from. Oh, man. Yeah. Why not? I'll tell you this about Bendis, though. I know this isn't the Superman podcast, but it bears talking about because I think it's a major... Bendis, whatever Bendis does, will have waves in the Batman universe. Let's face it. Right? I agree. I think that Bendis is a lot like Snyder. And what I mean by that is this. When he's brilliant, he's brilliant. But when he screws something up, you know what I'm saying? Like... When he's brilliant, he is remarkably brilliant. But when he's goes goes kind of crazy, he goes kind of crazy on you. You know what I mean? And I would I would definitely agree with that comparison. I mean, like Snyder has had his moments of, you know, changing things or adjusting certain aspects of Batman's history that I have not been a fan of or not just the history, but the uh, portrayal of certain characters. And I'm looking at the Joker. Figured you were. As that. But he is a good writer and he can tell really good stories. It's just a matter of the depictions that he has of certain characters. And that's the issues that I've always had. I don't think I've ever had an issue with him being a bad writer. I can honestly say, yeah, I didn't like Death of the Family, but that that was more for the depiction of the, the Bat family and the Joker more than it was a horrible story. So, yes, definitely a good comparison there. All right, so the next bit we have, it comes on May 21st. It was announced from DC that Joel Jones has basically given Catwoman a brand new costume. Now, the best way to describe this, obviously because this is all audio and not video, the best way to describe this is if you took the 1992 Batman Returns costume that Michelle Pfeiffer wore and combined that with the more recent Hush version, that would basically be what it looks like. It's it's definitely not bad. It does have some weird cutouts that I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm not going to say it looks bad. I mean, I think it looks really good. I just don't understand what the necessity for having her armpits exposed are. But As someone who lives in Texas, I would appreciate a shirt without armpits. But if you had the choice between a shirt without armpits or a shirt without sleeves, <laughs> which would you Probably choose? Sleeves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> armor could be armor though she wants her arms armored she does a lot of climbing you don't climb with your armpits yeah so i'm um, here i just want to go to the next news story because i've been waiting for it all week come on all right so the next news story is yeah uh, mm-hmm. also on may 21st there was a new mini series announced after i have complained for the last couple months about how we haven't gotten any new yes batman yes. mini series announced mm-hmm. because we've mm-hmm. ran so many of them and they've all ended a new one was announced This one is going to be featuring the Scarecrow and is going to be written by Scott Peterson. Mm. It's called Batman Kings of Fear. 
And the you're I'm not missing any. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just... yes. The, the unfortunate thing that Ed is alluding to is that yeah. Kelly Jones is returning to the Batman universe. <laughs> yes, and I knew for a fact that once I was editing this news uh-huh. story on the website to get posted up, I was like, oh, I can't wait to the next comic cast because Ed's just going to have fun with this. Absolutely. So, yeah, so basically the solicitation is Batman's been overseeing Gotham City for years now and isn't sure how much of a difference he's making. Doubt, fear, and insecurity are starting to take over. And as all of those negative feelings set in Scarecrow orchestrates a riot in Arkham Asylum to give the Dark Knight one of his greatest challenges yet. Now, the thing is, this description of the series sounds very similar to what happened prior to Nightfall with Bane basically breaking the inmates of Arkham out to basically wear Batman down. And it sounds very, very similar. I'm not sure if that's on purpose. I'm sure it's not. But it seems like it's going to be Scarecrow in the background with a bunch of villains. So Scarecrow is taking the role of Bane and then in, and all these other villains appear. Just on the cover of the first issue alone, you see Killer Croc, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, Two-Face, Poison Ivy, Joker, Bane, and then obviously Scarecrow in the background. I have to say, seeing this cover, it makes me so glad we don't have Kelly Jones doing a normal book because his portrayal of Poison Ivy, Two-Face, and Mr. Freeze, I cannot stand. I cannot stand the portrayal of Mr. Freeze. And there's, I, I just, I can't stand Kelly Jones' art. That's not to say he's a bad artist, but I just, I don't like it. Sounds like you're saying. Well, no, he's I a don't bad want to artist. say he's a bad artist because he, he's an artist who is talented. He just, his talents right. do not make me enjoy the work. That's all. So I mean, like, that's not to say he's a bad artist. There's right. plenty of artists that I don't like, but or have a different style than what I like. But I just. I can't stand his his the way he draws certain characters. Mr. Freeze literally looks like a blue version of the Wizard of Oz. Like the actual wizard, not the the guy mm-hmm. who's the, like the the face just sitting there floating in the green tube. Blue. But this is blue. blue and it's just a face floating in the blue, you know, helmet. Oh, I okay. So since this will be in August and they'll be going, we'll be going through a lull in that time at the regular bat no, books, which I believe there's is, no lull. I'm pretty sure there's is. no lull. I'm pretty sure there is. I think they're going to go monthly during really? August. Really, just in August, <laughs> just for the next six yeah. months while this series is coming out. Yeah, I think that's what I heard. Could be a rumor. You never know. You get stuff off bleeding coal. I mean, you know, one ever believes it half the time. Would you like to add this to the rotation to cover? And I, I, I do think if we, you know, we could talk about the art a lot. We could even. You know what? People have always talked about us and said, you guys don't talk about the art enough, which is a really valid criticism. What if we just did this book and we didn't even talk about the plot? Just the art. Like 20 minutes every two weeks. 20 minutes? <laughs> I can't, I don't even know how you noticed anyone else on that page. I can just not take my eyes off of Batman's ears. They're yeah, so they're big. big. He does like making them like uh, <laughs> antennas. That's for sure. Yeah. And little razors, two foot razors. I mean, how would he even get in a car? With those coming off his hand. You know what I'd love to know? Okay, right. so listeners out there, I'd love to know if there's anybody out there who really, really enjoys Kelly Jones' artwork. Not his mother. Ms. Jones can't call <laughs> yes. him. And so basically, I want to hear some comments. Post your comments in the comments section for this episode. And let me know if you really enjoy Kelly Jones' work. Or if you prefer, if you're on more on my side, which is I just don't prefer it at all. Because I'm really, I, honestly, like, I'm not saying that, like, his books, when he was on main 
Batman titles back in Nightfall. the day. The, it yeah. was those books were selling well, but I honestly believe those books were selling well because of the story that they were telling, and not necessarily because of the art that was attached to those projects. Looking back, I would love to think to myself, "What if somebody else had drawn this?" Mostly because I just I, I have so many like I just when I look at his work, I have so many issues with the way he does certain things, like. Poison Ivy is still wearing that ridiculous, like, wreath, wreath, wreath or headband or whatever you want to call it on her head that she wore back in, like, the, the 50s and 60s. Why is that there? It doesn't make any sense. It's a modern fashion accessory. Yeah, real modern. Okay, so, yes, anybody who likes Kelly Jones, I'd like to hear from you. If I don't hear anything, then I will cement my belief that uh, nobody really likes him. It's the reason why I always thought that the story to Red Rain was so good, by the way. Because I enjoy that book in spite of the art. And you know, the thing is, there are plenty of... I, I think sure. there are certain places where he works well. I think that stuff... Carnivals. <laughs> and that's the best part. You you like making fun of it just as much as I dislike it, but... You yeah, still have so to... angry. It's so awesome. <laughs> okay. When I saw that, I got a smile ear to ear. I'm like, we got a Kelly Jones news story. It's going to be great. Okay, so uh, right. next up, also on May 21st, it was announced that there's a Batman in the Just League manga that's going to be heading stateside. This originally appeared in a magazine in Japan, in a Japanese magazine called Champion Red. It's a 208-page manga story that is going to be released, collected for $12.99 in October. The solicitation for this says, A young boy from Japan travels to Gotham City on a mission. A year before, his two parents, both scientists, were presumably killed in an explosion that destroyed an experimental power plant, but the boy believes that they still may be alive. At the very least, he's determined to find out what actually happened, but his quest soon leads to a run-in with some powerful forces, forces that require help from both Batman and the Just League. So I know what you're thinking. You were thinking that entire story... Leading up to it was all about Bruce Wayne, but it's not. It's about somebody else who has a very similar story to Bruce Wayne. So we don't normally cover collected versions of stuff, but I may very well be getting somebody to cover this on the website specifically because it's not being released in a weekly or a monthly format, just collected. So we'll probably go the route of the Dark Prince Charming and just release a review for it after it releases. So if you like manga, that's there for you. Also, before I get to the solicitations for August, which most of what is happening and the big stuff was already covered, also in relation to manga, uh, it was announced on May 30th that the recent release of Batman Ninja, which you haven't seen, please do see. It's really good. They are going to be doing a manga adaption of that movie over in Japan, which I would... I would put money on it at this point and say that eventually it could be collected here in the States as well. So there's no current word on whether or not it'll be released in the U.S., but as of right now, it will be released in a magazine called Monthly Heroes Magazine, and that's going to be on sale on June 30th, the first issue. So you can check that out. Also, if you head over to the site, there's a link that'll actually take you to a spot where you can actually read a preview of that in the July issue, which I know that makes no sense, but the issue that's actually releasing with the first part of the manga is in August, but it came out in June. So uh, take a look at that if you are interested in manga as well. Finally, the big news was the solicitations. Um, So these solicitations came out on May 22nd. 
Uh, actually, they came out on May 21st, but we post it on the website on the 22nd because we break down all the solicitations and cover everything that you need to know. So August is going to bring a couple of holding patterns for some certain books. As we, I believe we mentioned this in the last episode, previously announced in the solicitations for June for Detective Comics number 982, Brian Hill's five-issue story has been pushed back one issue. Rather than it starting with number 982 as previously solicited, the story will begin in 983, pushing the story to 987. This happens to take the arc to the end of August, so we won't hear who is coming on Detective Comics until September, which means... We should hear something by the end of June if it is not going to be a fill-in person or they could wait until San Diego and announce it's right before San Diego in July. Almost certainly San Diego, Yeah, right? but you would assume so depending on what their plan is for that title. It doesn't seem like they have a distinct plan considering they didn't really announce when Brian Hill was announced on it. They just kind of like, here's a solicitation. And then when they pushed it back, the story that's being told in 982 now, which is dealing with Deacon Blackfire, which we'll cover on the next episode. Not that there's anything wrong with Deacon Blackfire, but they didn't care to announce that either. So it's one of those things where Brian Hill has has said repeatedly online that he is only on for five issues. After five issues, he is done. So September is going to either bring somebody to come in for probably another two issues or maybe a little bit longer, but I can't imagine them getting between now and 1,000 just random people to come on. Not, and I say random, but I mean like, you know, just creators sporadically to show up to do a story arc until 1,000. That doesn't lead the charge to no, 1,000 like it really that's should. That's not going to happen. So, that, so yeah. hopefully we get some sort of announcement. I would prefer if it was happening in September because the idea of September which would be 988 and 989, pushing us just 12 issues before we get to 1,000. The idea of those two issues also being just a short two-issue story arc to fill in the gap, oh, man, um, not not super ideal. So the other part, the other announcements, Nightwing pulls double duty as he appears in his own series as Nightwing, but he's also subbing for Batman in the pages of Batman, as Bruce Wayne is still involved with the trial of Mr. Freeze and is on jury duty. The solicits hint that Dick might be under the cowl for a lot longer than we first thought as Bruce re-examines his actions as Batman. Another month after some current miniseries end we already talked about, we get the one with Batman Kings of Fear, filling in some of the gaps because it's a five or it's a five Wednesday month. We have the DC Looney Tune crossovers, which we already talked about, but there's also a number of annuals that are happening as well. This time around, Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and the Outlaws, and Suicide Squad will all be getting an annual. Pay very close attention to make sure if you're buying all of these issues that you make a budget because the four additional Looney Tunes, or even if you're just sticking with the TBU Looney Tune stuff, that's three. Those are $5 a piece. All these annuals are also $5 a piece. So you're talking at least an additional... $35 in one month just for those extra issues if you're getting the three of the Looney Tunes specials and the four annuals. So keep that in mind. It's also worth noting that all the annuals state that they will include a free digital download code, which, as we mentioned on the last episode, they said they were getting rid of those codes. So yeah, 
Uh, Maybe not for annual. And the funny thing is, it's interesting because I I noticed that as you're listening to this episode, Just League Number One came out, and they have the free digital code in Just League Number One as well. And it's one of those things where I'm starting to believe that, you know, we did say that that they probably weren't going to be doing codes and everything. It was just going to be codes and special releases. If annuals count as a special release, and that's part of the reason why they're $4.99, that kind of bothers some because some of those annuals, and not to say that they're all like this because they're not, some of the annuals tell a standalone story that has nothing to do with anything else. That's not to say that they can't because some of the times they, they are great and they fill in the story and it makes perfect sense, but... Paying four ninety nine for an annual and the, the, the added benefit is you get this digital code that they're not giving you with anything else. Not real sure how, how good of a job that's actually doing as a, as far as a marketing piece. So doesn't matter. I won't buy an annual until they fix the outrageous numbering problem with the Detective Comics annuals. Well, good luck with that. You agree with me, though. I know you I agree wish, with me. I agree. Oh, I do. I, I definitely agree with you. I, they, they should have fixed that. They should have fixed that. They should have fixed. I think they did this exact same thing with Action Comics, and obviously that series does not belong that way either. So, no, yeah. All right. So as far as in Greater Gotham, Batgirl is going to be taking a step backwards as the device that allows her to walk gets fried, forcing her back into a wheelchair. Whether this will lead to her taking over the mantle of Oracle has yet to be seen, but hopefully we'll be able to see a coexistence of the two identities as we saw in the pages of Birds of Prey. Batwoman rounds out its run with issue number 18, and as revealed with the news, a young animal of print is going on hiatus. Mother Panic Gotham AD will end after issue 6. Catwoman gets a new look in Catwoman number 2. Red Hood and the Outlaws gets to issue number 25, and with that comes a special higher page count and higher price tag for the milestone. So, uh, yeah. Uh, over in the Nightwing annual, Vicky Vale is going to show up for the first time in Rebirth. And then in the Batgirl annual, we have James Gordon Jr. showing up since the first time in Rebirth. Then on the DC Universe sides of things, we already talked about Super Sons Returns. James Tynion fills in for Scott Snyder on Justice League number 5 to give Scott Snyder, a, I guess, a short break before he returns in number 6. And then uh, finally, the TBU characters making their rounds to other series. We have Ty Al Ghul. She continues to have a presence in the Silencer, but August also brings a annual for that series, which will include Batman into the mix. Over in Aquaman, the Suicide Squad has a crossover, which brings Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, and Deadshot into the issue. And then the story involving Batman in the pages of Deathstroke also continues. So if you are interested in full details of everything that's coming out and you want to start tallying up how much money you're going to need for everything, head over to the site. Full list of all the TBU stuff that we mentioned that we cover here and, and talk about is over on the site, as well as a nifty little gallery of some of the featured cover art for the month of August. So be sure to check all that out. Okay, so with that, outside of all of that news, there are three new Last Week in the Batcaves, so check that out. Just as a heads up for anybody who's looking for Last Week in the Batcave for the next couple of weeks, Jessica's actually taking the majority of June off as she has some personal stuff with vacations and stuff with school. She'll return the Tuesday before the wedding issue releases, so be looking for that. I believe that's July 4th. Third is when the next issue comes out, which normally would not be on a Tuesday, but something is preventing it from happening on Monday, so it's going to happen on Tuesday. So that's the next time you can look forward to last week in the Batcave. 
Um, uh, anything uh, outside of that, there's just a couple of new DC All Access videos. One talking about the Flash War, which has very little to do with the Batman comics, but it's promises to have some sort of lasting effect on the entire DC Universe. So we'll wait and see with that. And then the other part, there's another one that talks about the Doomsday Clock and the preludes that are currently releasing. So that is all the news. If you want the latest updates with news, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram for all the news stories that happen over on the site. We post those up as they happen, and then you get the updates. And then obviously you can check them out on the website too. So with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. And the first one we have is Batman. Well, listeners, if you thought we took too long on news, I'll make this one quick. Batman number 47, writer Tom King, artist Tony Daniels. So here's the wrap-up of the Booster Gold story. Bruce, from Booster's new future he created, threatens Booster to make him take him back the day his parents was killed. Uh, He's kept Booster locked up for a year while he has um, attempted to repair Skeets. Uh, Booster tricks him, and they go back to where Bruce's parents should have been killed in the proper timeline coming out of the theater. This time, Booster does not interfere. They end up dying. Future Bruce kills himself. Booster goes back to the normal timeline and tells Batman and Catwoman all about it. That's really what happened. I only have one real question, to be honest with you. Any surprises to you guys in this issue, or was this pretty much like the paint-by-numbers way of tying up a time travel store? Never happened. I mean... I mean, obviously, it's probably the easiest way of tying it all up, and it is a very common way of doing it. The The concern that I have is, I mean, like like I've said multiple times when we've been covering this story, I don't understand the placement of it. I mean, by the end of it, it definitely comes across as, yet again, this is another story for Tom King's upcoming Sanctuary story that he's going to be telling. We got part of that with Poison Ivy, but at the same point, the Poison Ivy stuff wasn't nearly as misplaced because a Booster Gold story in the middle of a Batman series makes less sense than a Poison Ivy story in the middle of a Batman series. So, as far as wrapping this up, yeah, this is pretty pretty cut and dry. I mean, the lasting effects that he has with the PTSD makes sense but again it just feels like a backdoor pilot for the upcoming sanctuary which it doesn't really need to be because that series is already happening i was a little surprised that it almost seemed like they made it seem like bruce's scuffle on the roof forced or encouraged the waynes to go down the sketchy alley which is where they got shot so it almost was like bruce was almost indirectly responsible for his parents death again is the way i read it that's the way i read it too which was a little weird. Yeah, that was kind of strange. That doesn't make sense. I, I guess if you're playing with the Paradox card, is that what you Probably. think you're trying to do there? I'm yeah. guessing. Like it was always meant to happen like that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it seemed real paint-by-numbers to me. I just didn't find the story very interesting. Well, maybe I'm the minority, but I just didn't think any of this was very interesting, to be honest with you. Like, the gun-toting Bruce just seems so like, oh, hey, it's a different future gun. Bruce has a gun! Like, you know, you've read a lot of Batman comics. Dustin, I'm sure you have two stuff. Like, have you ever noticed, like, that's like the, you know you're in a different universe, Batman has a gun. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, Batman's using a gun again. Or even, like, an out-of-continuity story or an else, it's not all Elseworlds, but Elseworlds stories. Yeah. And... Batman, cat, pack, and heat. I found everyone in this 
story to be just unpleasant. Like Skeets was the only redeeming character out of every single person is that I could even stand reading. Yeah. But you know what the problem is? I think Skeets is probably is one of the only redeemable factors when it comes to Booster Gold. Mm. But Booster's never been like this That's bad. That's true. That's true. Like Booster was always kind of the self-centered, all about himself, but he wasn't an out and out villain uh, like Hey, I mean, I don't know. I just thought the characterizations, I agree with stuff, the characterizations seem off. I mean, I know it's an alternative universe, but they still seem way off. Booster seemed way off. You know, like maybe this is a guy who read too many old comics, but I remember like old, you know, Justice League International. You know, like Booster was always kind of a turbo, but he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this guy. And then why he goes and the whole thing with Batman and Catwoman at the end where he's like, why are you even yeah. telling them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, I almost wrecked your life, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, you're looking for them for forgiveness? Like, I don't know. I just, the story did not do anything for me. And that's literally the only question I have about it. There's not much here, man. There's really not. <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly have that much to, else to add to that, man. I mean, like, really, just the placement of the story makes no sense. Like, uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why someone was like, hey, yeah, you know what? This is a good idea. Let's do this story. And I understand that the idea was, well, at least the way they framed it was, this was a gift. And that's why it somehow happens when it does. Because Booster Gold is trying to give a gift because they're going to get married. But the problem is that, like, I don't know. It it just feels like they threw that in there as a reasoning for this. But really, they were just trying to get Booster Gold to be added to the ranks of the characters that are going to be going to the sanctuary. So I'll be honest. Part of the reason I wanted to join the cast is I thought you guys lately have been too hard on Tom King. And there's some stories that you guys were ragging on. I was like, no, it wasn't that bad. And this was a terrible story <laughs> to start my Welcome defense to the comic yep, Tom yep. King. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping the, the next couple months redeems this. Because quite honestly, like the idea of, Bruce Wayne on jury duty and Mr. Freeze on trial. It's kind of appealing. I guess I, I the, the only question I immediately have is how is Bruce Wayne allowed to be on a jury for Mr. Freeze? I don't understand that. And I can't wait to, they explain that. Well, what part of continuity are you in? Did he work at Wayne enterprises now? Well, no, I don't even care if you worked at Wayne enterprises, even if you, you don't use that explanation. The fact that Batman has been linked to, Batman, oh, Batman Inc. Yeah, Batman yeah, Inc. And then sure. funded that. I mean, like, he clearly has a thing. Or like, or the fact that, like, he... Even if you don't even consider Batman Inc. And you just consider the fact that he's a philanthropist who constantly is throwing money at Arkham Asylum to make sure that people are treated well, why would he be there? Then, he, if anything, then he could be portrayed as somebody who could be easily swayed towards the, you know, the, the for the side of the defendant. In that case, Mr. Freeze. So, I mean, like, I... Yeah, but... It, in New 52 continuity, if you're if we're kept accepting that as where we are, right? Mr. Freeze worked at Wayne Enterprises, yeah. and him and Bruce had one-on-one oh, yeah. dealing. Oh, yeah. You're never going to put that guy in the jury. You're like, do you know the defendant? Yeah, he used to work for me. Yeah, you're out of here. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, when he became Mr. Freeze, he went after Bruce Wayne. Bruce? Yeah. So, yeah. makes makes little sense, but we'll see. What, but, I, but it's still, even, I mean, like, I can't wait for that explanation. I feel like a lot of these stories, it's like, well, this explanation should be really good. But that doesn't mean that the story can't be good. I mean, like, if you put the explanation 
aside and just be like, okay, fine, I'll run with it for the sake of the story. Some of these stories actually can turn out pretty well. And I like the idea of like a legal drama for a couple issues or whatever. So that should be interesting. Again, timing wise, not sure exactly what's going on because it's taking place immediately after the wedding. But again, eh, we'll just wait and see because for all we know, for all we know, Mr. Freeze is involved. And honestly, at this point, we've only seen three covers after the wedding. We've seen a couple little uh, teases from Lee Weeks, who's doing the art after Batman number 50. But none of the teases are really like, oh, this couldn't just be Mr. Freeze's appearing. It's not like they're laying out the court case. So it could end up being a giant swerve. Could be. Who knows? As he's done in the past with Rules of Engagement, where he named it one thing and then it turned out to be something completely different. So that being said, the one thing I will say is Tony Daniel does an amazing job with the art. Mm-hmm. The art's yeah, really good. And, and I definitely appreciate the fact that like, even as bonkers as the story is and the placement and all of the issues that we have with it, the art is really good. And it's recently revealed that Tony Daniels is going to be returning to Batman at some later date for a new story arc. So he wasn't just a three-issue story arc and then he's hitting the road. He's actually doing another story arc in the future. I'm guessing after Lee Weeks. I don't know why he'd be working on something that's farther out than that, but... Who knows? We'll see. All right, so Batman, I'm going to give a total of two out of five. One and a half out of five. Two out of five. Over on the site, Ian gave it two and a half. So it's going to give Batman a total of two and a half out of five. Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. If you thought Batman was bad... Boy, I hope that you really thought that Detective Comics was amazing. All right. Detective Comics number 981, written by James Hyne IV, art by Eddie Barrows. Continuing from the last issue, Tim shows Kate the future via the Omac Nanites. He shares that they were always destined to be enemies because of Kate's tactics. She was forced out of the family and Tim had to track her down. As Tim shows Kate this disgusting future, Steph chimes in via comms that Tim was not seeing their actual future. Steph shares that Ulysses and Brother I have been manipulating Tim this entire time in both the present and future timelines. In The Belfry 2.0, Bruce and Cass join forces to stop the Omax and give Steph more time to be able to hack Brother I. Bruce tells Cass that he is sorry. This battle is not hers to fight, it is his. He did not want her to get hurt. Cass tells him that she just saw this other world where she is not doomed to be bad, meaning the Batgirl reference from the last issue. She tells Bruce that she is a bat, and this is where she is needed. Steph tells Tim that she has seen the the actual real future. Yes, Kate pulled the trigger and Bruce is dead, but that's not the entire truth. Steph shows them from an, an unaltered version of the future. In the future, Bruce asks if what he is reading is true, that the orders are to bring Batman in dead or alive. Kate acknowledges that things have gotten from bad to worse. The government will not ignore what he is doing in Gotham anymore due to what happened to the League. Kate shares that they could play cat and mouse around the world because nobody will think twice about the great and mysterious Batman slipping out of her grasp. Bruce tells her that he is dying due to radiation exposure from the Brother Eye satellite. He shares that it has been more aggressive as of late, and he's trying to make everything as right as much as he can before he dies. 
Brother I is a part of his plan, and when Brother I has finished his final protocol, it will self-destruct and all the files on the Bat computer will be deleted with Bruce's vehicles and weapons being deactivated. Kate is confused by everything that he's saying. Bruce shares that Batman does not have to be eternal. Batman is an idea that he needed to make the world work for him. Although Batman gave him purpose, it's holding back all those who want to bring Gotham out of the darkness that it lies in. He wants his children to have a better life, not one burdened by Batman. He shares that he has already recorded his final message to the family. He tells her that he chose this moment, this moment to die. Kate understands what he is saying and reluctantly draws her weapon. She shares that she is grateful to be part of the family. Back in the present, Tim screams out that this cannot be happening. He realizes that future Tim never knew of the truth, that his whole crusade was built on a lie. Steph shares that Brother Eye deleted Bruce's final message before the family could view it. Ulysses chimes in that Brother Eye was right to cause the division. Brother Eye pushed Tim further into the darkness, and that is how he became his future self. The hopeful, idealistic boy grew up to become a hardened, bitter Batman who finally ended crime. Steph speaks up and says Tim did those things not knowing the real truth. She tells Tim that he is now in control of this situation. He can either stay with the programming of Brother Eye or he can come back to the truth. Tim shuts down Brother Eye and the people controlled by the OMAC start to regain their lives back. Steph, after deactivating the system, runs into the command center and swiftly takes out Ulysses. Bruce apologizes to Steph for everything that has happened between them. She shares that although they will never see eye to eye exactly, she very much respects the bat symbol because she knows just how powerful it truly is. After that heart-heart, Bruce tells all the members of the colony to help get people out of the belfry because the building is about to collapse. Kate asks Tim if he's okay. Okay, he shares that he was holding on to a child's dream, a perfect crime-fighting system that will bring Gotham into the light, but he realized that his dream became weaponized to control Gotham and incite terror. He is distraught that he has become the villain that he wanted to save Gotham from. Kate also agrees that she does not want to become her future self either. Her path leads to her sh- to shoot Bruce. Kate tells him that it is time for to let old dreams die and pursue new ones. Three weeks later, Kate tells Bruce that this restaurant is where her father and Bruce's mother would meet when they, he was on leave. It was considered a neutral site due to the animosity between the Canes and the Waynes. She figures that since this was neutral territory for their parents, it can be neutral territory for them. We also find out that Batwing is going to give up being Batwing for the future, and Azrael is going to be joining a specific team, which we know is Justice League Odyssey. Then we see Bruce share that Jacob has been reinstated into the military with the assurance that the president of the with the assurance of the president that the colony colony is permanently disbanded. Kate reassures him that she has not or never will have anything to do with that organization. She shares that she has always let the others shape her missions, but it's time for her to shape her own. Bruce asks what her plans are. She shares that she's not quite sure what her future holds. Bruce asks if she will wear the bat when she goes out into the field. He goes on to say that they will from time to time have disagreements, but they are still family. He wants to be a part of her life, but he cannot dictate those terms. All he can do is support her and be there for when she calls. At the Tompkins Free Clinic, Leslie is happy that Cass has decided to move in and become better at person things. 
as she puts it. Leslie says that an old friend has volunteered to tutor her because she has a long ways to go before she can even think about entering high school. Barbara appears and tells Cass that she's excited to tutor for her. She shares that she knows where they need to start their focus, Cass's verbal skills. Barbara states that in a few months, Cass will be at the point to quote Shakespeare. Right on cue, Cass shares one of the passages she learned with Basil. She asks Barbara if she did well, and Basil who's not dead, is watching from the outside and is is quite proud of what she has become. He leaves a note for her on the door and gets in the car with Dr. October. At Wayne Manor, Bruce helps Tim load his stuff into the car. Bruce tells him that it's hard to go off to college and forge your own path, but Tim can do it. He tells Tim that he is always a phone call away. Tim enters the car and Steph asks if he still plans to not go to Ivy University and he says that he has so many questions about the diverging timelines, and now he has the time to study those things without the responsibility of being a hero. The so boy, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about here. So quickly, the, the just to wrap up the future storyline timeline, because that's what half this issue is about, the idea that future Tim Drake was, he, he saw a twisted version that was created by Brother Eye to make him believe that Batwoman killed Batman and sent him on this dark path. I thought that was explained very, very well. It makes perfect sense, falls in line with what you would expect Brother Eye to do. And then it makes perfect sense that, you know, that by future Tim coming to this timeline and talking with present Tim, that he in turn would believe that this is something that he needs to deal with now, and then obviously that's going to cause a rift between between Red Robin and Batwoman immediately. So did you, how did you guys feel about the wrap-up of the future storyline? I think it's kind of the only thing you could do, right? Like, you couldn't really have it hanging out there that Tim Drake was evil. You know what I mean? Like, you had to have some kind of plausibly thing going on where you go, mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think it was the only logical way to really wrap it up. You don't want to... I mean, I personally don't want to have a long-term implication that any day now Tim's going to become nutso Batman of the future, mm-hmm. right? I think we've had enough problems with Tim characters over the years. Let's just let him be Tim without this hanging over him. So I was fine with the way they worked it out. Yeah, I think it made a lot of sense and wrapped everything up nicely and fixed relationships. That was nice to see. And Steph got to be the hero. That was cool. <laughs> that was nice. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, the, as far as this, the future stuff, I feel like, well, it's not just that. I, I mean, this this kind of bleeds into my next topic to discuss, but we talked about this before about Tynan. Originally, he had planned to be on until 1000, just like Dark. That opportunity came available, and he wanted to do that. And it was something that he wanted to do more than anything else. If you go to the website and you check out Last Week in the Batcave, you'll you would have seen that when this issue actually released, Tynan released this like really long blog post online talking about what his goals were for the series and what he hoped to achieve, and that he believes that he left these characters in a better spot than they were before. And I definitely agree. The thing is, I think that he had every intention of trying to bring back certain characters, reestablish Tim Drake within the Bat family as a member who actually matters, not just a person who, you know, is just associated with the Bat family as the character was so much so in the New 52. Introduce Cassandra, introduce Stephanie, bring these characters back into the normal continuity and explain different aspects of how these characters become and 
are the way they are. And I think that he's done an amazing job of bringing these characters in and kind of giving a lot of characters. I mean, even Batwoman to a degree. I mean, yeah, she had her miniseries, not miniseries, she had a her own series in the new 52 and she's she has her own series here but i think that batwoman in detective comics has been portrayed a lot better than in her own series i find her own series to be somewhat boring at times it's it's picking up a little bit now but i mean we only got a couple more months before the series is actually ending so it's one of those things where i feel like tyne really understands these characters and really nails the characterization of a lot of these characters and whenever there's a moment where you think, well, that's out of character, that's out of character, but it's it's it serves a purpose for the story. You know, we see in this specific story a lot of the relationships that you guys said, like the relationships are being mended and things like that. We have different things. Batman apologizes to the staff. Stuff says that she, you know she accepts her his apology, but still saying, hey, I don't always agree with you. But that's exactly the way stuff has always been. So it's not something, it's something where it makes perfect sense. So the other thing to talk about is kind of like the future of a lot of these characters. And I'm I'm slightly worried about some of the characters, characters' futures, because I, I feel like some of these characters aren't really going to be getting the focus that we really want them to get, at least for the foreseeable future. And part of that is just because a lot of these characters, their main focus was in this book and now that Titan is done with the book I'm not sure where they're going to appear next specifically so Batwing says that he's going to give up the mantle for a while that's entirely possible Batwing hasn't he's not playing like a major huge role just like Azrael's not playing a major huge role but Azrael's going off to become a member of the Justice League uh, Odyssey team the space based Justice League team uh, which is crazy when you think about it I don't <laughs> so weird yeah. I can't wait for them to explain how that actually ends up happening or why it actually ends up happening, but that's happening. And then we've got, I, I love the idea that Cass is uh, going to be taught by Barbara. That all makes perfect sense. But it's one of those things where it's like, where are we actually going to see that play out? Because I don't... Batgirl, I right? would assume it would be Batgirl, but honestly, Batgirl, the Batgirl series hasn't been following the same continuity. Well, not, not it's not that they're not following the same continuity. It's that... They're just not, they're not really tied in. I mean, like, Hope Larson's, Hope Larson's last issue already happened, so she's off the title now. But I, I thought with the solicit on Batgirl that we were just going on earlier, where they talk about how she's going to lose the ability to walk, right? I thought this was going to be a natural... Progression, yeah. Her training cat, and I hope that I'm right, because I'd really like to see that, is Barbara training Cass in Batgirl to be Batgirl. It would make perfect sense to me. That would make sense. That would be fantastic. Do you think Carver Rowe would be involved with that if they did that? I would think so, in some level, right? I feel like in some level, yeah, it would make sense, specifically because we also know that Harper Rowe is involved with Leslie mm-hmm. Tompkins' free clinic, too, so it would make perfect sense. I mean, Connective it, tissue, it almost makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So there's that aspect. I mean, I, I really hope that it happens, but the problem is there's no way of knowing for sure at this point because... It could be so good, though. It could be so the good. The creative team that's coming on to Batgirl, so in June, it's just a one-off issue. In July, it's a one-off issue, but it's like an oversized issue because it's like the 25th issue, so it's oversized and it's got a bunch of stories from a bunch of different people, almost as if it was an annual but it's not an annual. Docker. Does it come with a code? Yeah, I know. It seems like it's... But the creative team that's coming on to the book permanently for the foreseeable future is coming on. They're they're telling one of the stories in that July issue, and then the first full issue is actually in August. 
And I mean, it seems as if there's a possibility that they could be bringing some of that stuff back or like hearkening back towards the bat family and, and the, the way things have been going instead of just doing her own thing. Because I feel like Hope Larson was doing what like he was definitely doing her own she thing. was doing her own thing i think for the first six months when she was off traveling around asia or whatever and i think that was her intent was to do her own thing but i think the sales weren't as good as they thought and they're like you know what you got to bring it back to gotham and she came back to gotham but then she just started to do her own take on what they were doing with the back of burnside from the new 52 which i mean don't get me wrong that was successful to a degree but it still wasn't connected to anything else. I mean, she's basically out on her own and occasionally you'll have like Nightwing show up or somebody else give her a phone call. But the connection to her father has been extremely lacking. So that's to say, hopefully we do get some sort of connectiveness to some of the other stuff that has happened. And it's not just, it continues on its way that it has been, which was just tell its own standalone stories. So we have uh, Cass, and then Steph is going off with Tim to investigate these diverging timelines. And I got to say, I, I'm quite interested in what that ends up becoming, mostly because Tim is extremely interested in the fact that both Cass and Steph were backgirls. And I feel like this is, again, tying into something having to do mm-hmm. with Doomsday Clock. And I know that anytime we hint at anything having to do with time, time travel timelines it all comes back to doomsday clock because we we just assume that that's how it's all going to work out the problem is that if it is doomsday clock again we're looking at over a year before that series wraps up where we might not actually see any sort of continuation of this until then which would be extremely unfortunate Well, even if he came back right away you'd still only get tim every two months like even if the next issue had of dumbest doomsday had tim in it Oh, I'm not saying it has to have Tim. I'm saying like... Well, Tim bringing his information. Okay, well, there's this ongoing idea that I have where it's just basically Tim having his own team, um, not the Teen Titans. Like, he has Cass and Steph and... but I mean, like, in a, in a separate world, you could have somebody like... Harper Row, and then create like the Robin's Nest, and I've said, and I've I've literally pitched this this series a bunch of times. And I would love to see that because it would be like mm-hmm. a Tim Drake book, but with all these other characters who also get very little focus, just like Tim Drake has been getting very little focus for the last long time. And I'm not, and that's putting Detective Comics aside. The issue is that now that Detective Comics is is going in a different direction or going in a direction that doesn't involve Tynan. I'm not sure where we're going to see Steph, Cass, Tim Drake, Batwing to a degree. I mean, like, I don't really, I, I'm not as concerned about Batwing, but like Batwoman. <laughs> yeah, but I was to say, do we really care if we miss out on Batwing for six months? Right, right. I, I'm not. So, but then like Batwoman is another one because with her own series ending in August, I'm not sure where she's going to be popping up either. And that's the, that's the concern. Like Tom King has had a massive amount of, uh, stories that he has told that do not involve very many members of the Bat family. He's very mm-hmm. Snydery about. Yes, that. he is, and that's that's my concern. Is like he's the one who has seems to have the keys to the castle here between you know what's going on with the Bat books, and he's not involving a vast majority of the characters from the Bat family. They've had multiple stories where the Bat family has appeared, like Damien, Jason, or Dick. Tim has yet to appear. We don't even know if we, we still have yet to see any sort of reference of Dick uh, of Tim knowing 
that Bruce is getting married, which is mind-boggling. We know that the preludes are completely exempting Tim Drake from the mix for some weird reason. And the only explanation, and I've heard this explanation before, is, well, the original intent was that Tim Drake was going to be off the board longer. And because he was going to be off the board longer because of Doomsday, the wedding was going to happen, and that's why he's not involved. But the thing is, he's been back on the board now for like eight months. So it's one of those things where you could have changed and made adjustments within those eight months. We know that they don't work like 12 months into the future. So, I mean, plus you brought up the time travel thing, right? Tim is more than tangentially tied to the time travel in this. He was in Mr. Oz's prison. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like, well, there was a time travel thing and... Aren't we doing time travel and doomsday clock? This is more concrete. Like, Mr. Oz locked him up and said the reason why he locked him up was because he was the one guy that could put all the threads together. Right? Exactly. So this is more than just like, well, you know, time travel happens with Johns. He kind of does the time. Like, in fact, I think what you're seeing here is exactly what was foreshadowed in the in the earlier issues. Right? If Tim isn't locked up in Dr. Oz's prison... He's going to be the guy that puts the whole story together. Yep. And now you see him leave at the end of Detective and go say, hey, I'm going to try to put this whole story together. Yep. My only thoughts could be when we get the solicits for the new Detective comments in September will be that whoever the creative team is, if it's some of those grandiose things I've seen about Grant Morrison or if it's a relative no-name, I would have to believe that the Tim and Stephanie story would be picked up in Detective and it would be a major feature moving forward considering how interrelated that is supposed to be with Doomsday mm-hmm. Clock, right? Yeah, and I would definitely agree with that. I guess my only problem with that is... Now, if they don't, then I guess we're just staring at the yeah, wall. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I think that the the big concern is that I'm not sure that whoever... The, the problem is it just doesn't feel like... If you just look at the New 52, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of writers who really want to use certain characters. Like, we want the entire New 52, and the only time we ever ended up seeing Cass and Steph was during Batman Eternal, which wasn't even part of the main series, and still wasn't addressed in the main series after it actually happened. That didn't count. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, introducing new characters, hey, that's a good, or not new characters, but existing characters into continuity, that's a good thing. But there's, it still has to do with whether or not the other writers are actually going to utilize these characters. And that's the problem that I think we've been seeing. And that's it comes from the New 52 mindset that, that DC was in. Like, well, if we don't address these characters, then we don't have to talk about them at all. They'll go away. Nobody will ever ask us about them, except for at conventions. And we all know those people are all crazy. So, <laughs> Well, I just... Uh... The thing that would annoy me about this, and I, I would like to act like this has never happened before, but that would be a lie, right? Fantastic. D- this issue of Detective is a fantastic wrap-up to the whole thing we've been treated since the, the renumbering of Detective by Tynion, right? It's fantastic. And like all great comic book stories, because let's face it, comic books are a medium where you're going to get an issue every month. It's not like your show's like, well, that's it. Batman's been canceled. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the story's going to keep going. It's always going to keep going on. And, and for those of us that are, are drawn to that, that type of media, it, it's what kind of keep, keeps us going. This, this book is excellent, not just for the wrap-up, because it, this feels like a satisfying wrap-up while still giving us so many new story arcs, you know? Like... The cast and, and Barbara thing and Batgirl, if they don't do that, someone needs to be shot. Because that just 
makes too much sense. But the Tim stuff, they've got to figure out where this is going to go. Like Batwing, I mean, I'm, being, I mean, I'm not trying to be jerky, but Batwing's a tertiary character. If he's going to hit the bricks for <laughs> six months, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Asriel's going to space. That doesn't even sound right when you say it, does it? It does. Asriel's going to space. Like, but he is. So Asriel's going to space with Cyborg. Check. Okay. But the Tim and Steph stuff, and to some extent, Kate, if those characters aren't picked back up in Detective, I mean, I just don't know where they would go. And that, what would be a real shame of, what would be the, what would be the real shame of the story? And unfortunately for Tynion, and not his fault at all, what will, what will define this story in Batman history as a great story or a good story, in my opinion, is how does it affect the ramifications of the universe? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, if this is the jumping off point and Tim and Steph become majorly involved in Doomsday Clock, Cass becomes Batgirl again, and Kate does whatever Kate goes and does, then this will be the story that launched those stories. But if those storylines just go away, if Cass just becomes another character we see every six months for a glorified cameo, if Tim is supposed to be this great piece on the chessboard that, Do- that Oz is going to remove and nothing comes to fruition, then unfortunately this story won't have such a lasting impact. Oh, not because it isn't brilliant, but just because mm-hmm. it didn't yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Which would be sad because it, it, like every great comic book story, it ends, and this is maybe in my opinion, unless it's The Dark Knight Returns, but every great comic book story not only should give you a satisfying ending, but also set you up for the future without feeling you got cheated and didn't get an ending. And he does that here really well. Do you think they would delay this springboarding anything until what would have been the thousandth issue? More likely they'd delay it to coincide with Doomsday Clock. Yeah, which will, I mean, that'll push it past mm. 1,000. 1,000. Oh, God, I hope we don't got to wait that long to get this story going. Right? Well, I, I really hope so, too. I mean, oh. I think the thing is, like, you know, we're sitting here, we're at, like, the two-year mark from when Rebirth started. And, you know, there's there's been... A lot of issue, or not? When I say issues, I mean like we've gotten a lot of issues out of the, of Detective Comics because there's two every month. So we've gotten you know 24 issues that have released, and that that has told a lot of story. And I think part of the thing is like when Tim Drake died and we found out that he was still alive, we wanted him to come back right away. But the problem but was he did basically. But he did, but but it felt like. We, it felt like we were waiting forever in the background because remember he was in the prison for like like three months yeah it felt like we were waiting forever for it to happen I think it was just because of the number of issues that actually re- released in between the point when he died and the time and I don't think it was just three months I feel like it was six months but I mean it was some, it was some time and uh, the thing is I'm sitting here thinking to myself this story if it's not picked up like before the end of this year they're dropping the ball. They really. Oh, are. that's criminal. That's cr- you can't like. Maybe not every thread's got to be perfectly weaved by then. But if if you're gonna delay Tim and Steph, and maybe you show Tim and Steph as the plot number two of the detective book, whatever's going on, you see Tim and Steph investigating across America, and somehow that ties in the story. You know what I'm saying? But the cast stuff's got to start mm-hmm. like now. Like, what are you waiting for? I mean, you're switching back real creative teams. What are you waiting for? You know, like. I don't get it. Like, I mean, it's got to. It's got to. Yeah, there's there's too many things that he perfectly set up for people just it's, to say, you know what, I could take over that. And, and there's it's not going to be any issues. Like, it's not yeah. junk. 
You know, like how many times have we seen junk get set up and people run with it for like a year and you're like, are we doing this still? Right? Like, this is brilliant. Like, take the ball and run with it. Sorry, it's kind of my soapbox there for a second. Okay, so needless to say, this was a great issue. Yes. Uh, it was also great to see that Eddie Barrows returned for the final issue. Eddie Barrows, who was one of the original artists attached to it at the beginning of Rebirth, it was nice to see that he was able to return. That was partially because Alvaro Martinez has already moved on to Justice League Dark because he's going with Tynan to that title. But it's not to say that Eddie Barrows' art is not well appreciated. It is, you know, like... Eddie Barrows is a really good artist. So before we get into our ratings, I have to say this, because I, I think that sometimes some people don't understand the way I rate things. And you guys might rate things differently, but this is the way I, I look at it like this, okay? When you rate something, and I say this because of the way I'm going to rate this issue. This issue, I'm going to give a four and a half out of five, okay? But I would almost say it was a perfect comic, or not perfect comic, it was a, I would almost give it a five, but the thing is, fives are almost impossible to get. We don't just give. toss them around yes, like exactly. And I think that there's some <laughs> yeah. places, and I know that there's some websites out there who literally throw around the 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 you know 100% scores like there's no tomorrow or like they'll do something stupid like they'll say 9.8 out of 10 like sorry when you get into the 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 points when you're already out of 10 that's a little r ridiculous just do it out of a percentage then instead of saying 9.8 this issue was great it sets up a ton of stuff it wraps up a bunch of stuff that you know was out there so we don't have to worry about certain things there's definitely things that can get pulled back in and it's a great issue there's not it's not a perfect comic though and that's that's why i'm I, i'm saying you can't give it a five and that's why i'm not going to give it a five is because it's not perfect and the reason why it's not perfect is because you can still tell when you're reading this story that there's certain things that probably would have been different if it hadn't been rushed we're wrapping it up and we're rushing yeah. the story and i'm not saying that this felt rushed it didn't necessarily feel rushed but the idea of like Batman in the midst of this villain takedown turning to Steph and apologizing to Steph and turning to Cass and apologizing to Cass that just feels like it's happening because they needed to wrap that up and not have them like at odds at the end of the issue so that's the thing like there's it's it's a concern you have when you have a lot more time to plot out what you intended to do and maybe that was the intent when Tanyan said he wanted to be on until a thousand and that was every intention that he had you know, he probably would have had a lot of this stuff a little bit more smooth and finessed and, and, and not so rushed in certain aspects. And I say rushed, but I, rushed is not even really the right word. It's more like, you know, it. he needed to finish up certain things in order to make accelerated sure. Accelerated yeah. sounds better. Yes, accelerate. That's a be much better way. He needed to accelerate certain things to get the characters where he wanted them to be. He wanted to leave the characters in a very specific state and he had to accelerate certain things in order to get that way. And that's why I'm saying it's not a five. But trust me when I say this is by far was probably my favorite issue in probably all of Rebirth. It's just because of all of the setup that's happened with Detective Comics. Everything that's been going on. And the way he wrapped things up. And the way he, he leads... He just he leaves that like not a, not a cliffhanger, but he leaves that like the idea of what the future could be. It's great, and the fact that like all of the members of the Bat family are not at odds with each other, all pissed off with each other, and then it's just like okay, now they're going to continue to be pissed off. That's not to say the next person who comes along couldn't 
just make everybody pissed off at each other. But the way he leaves everything is exactly the way I would want a writer to leave things in a way where it leaves doors open for other writers to pick up story elements and, and plots and things like that. But at the same time, he wraps it up so that he's comfortable in a position that he left his characters. So although it's not perfect, it's pretty damn close. Four and a half out of five. It's interesting that you say that this story, especially the way it wrapped up and considering, like you said, two years of double shipping. You know what I mean? That's four years of normal comic book time, you know? Yeah. This to me feels like we just got done, maybe for the first time, or one of the rare times, with the exception of maybe Court of Owls, that we, I, I know we just got done reading something that's kind of like No Man's Land. It's big, it's epic, you know what I'm saying? Like, it has a satisfying conclusion. I haven't given a comic a four and a half, I don't think, since Snyder, All-Star Batman, that first Two-Face story that was just the most ridiculous madcap fun I've ever had reading a comic book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I can give any comic a five uh, unless I'm reviewing it five years later yeah, when I know how that's it, exactly, it yes, that makes perfect sense. And I definitely like, agree with that. I don't think it is possible to give something unless you see what happened. whether or not it's lasted the test of time. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think there's like a handful of things when we did the, the collected stuff of older stuff, uh, things like Arkham that I believe are almost perfect, but yeah, I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five. And, and if you don't like it, then you should stop reading comic books. Steph, please tell me you like this. <laughs> I might open a can of worms. I did love 98% of this. But the fact that Basil is okay, still Good. alive okay. pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a good point. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. That kind of did. That kind of did sit in my crawl. When when Jacob handed Kate the gun, he said, "Hey, there's a kill switch and there's a stun switch. You can pick." And you'd think if she set her phaser to stun, she would have mentioned it so everyone didn't hate her. But she didn't say anything. And you'd think that Dr. October, who knows everything apparently, would have mentioned something so the whole family didn't have to have a giant brawl family meeting and believe that this guy was dead. And it that set really, that spoiled my milk. It, it does seem like you could have carved those three panels out of the book and I wouldn't have cared. I would have been happy. Or, or would have maybe made me enjoy it better. Mm -hmm. The only thing, the only rational explanation I chalked it up to, and, and Dustin, me and you have been in this position before, me on some of Snyder's work and you on some of the older stuff we reviewed, which is there's times where I will overlook a speed bump. Some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'll just like, I'm done with it. Not that it, I, Steph, you're 100% right. It makes mm -hmm. no sense. Right. There's a, well, I have an explanation that I that I told myself. This one too. It's 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 her, it's her it's Kate's dad, right? Like he just lied to her because this dude has been straight up lying to his, his daughter for like ever. Mm -hmm. I think he just straight up lied to her. He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's a <laughs> it's got a kill switch. Wink, wink. Like, like I I think that he because every time we think this guy is good, he turns out to be a jackass again. Right? Like, is that not an accurate statement? Right? Would that be the opposite of that? Because if he handed her a gun that doesn't kill people, that's not a jackass thing to do. Well, I think he was, just knowing how his characters evolved, I bet we'll see that Dr. October is taking Basil to, it won't be called the Colony, but whatever his next top secret organization is going to be. And he was well, bringing that, Basil. Yeah, that, happened, that opens a mass, a, a much larger can of worms. He lies to his daughter constantly. Look at the history of the character. That's all he does. That's true. Here's the thing. I, I, I basically had two two theories. The problem with the only issue with that theory is that if that was actually happening, 
Doctor October would have to be in have to be in bed with with Jacob. And I say figuratively. Well, like, like figuratively. Steph just made that 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 point though, because if Doctor October, unless she was on the inside man bringing Basil, where because remember he says the last thing Basil says is mm-hmm. let's do this before I change my mind, right? Right. Like I think that Steph's absolutely right. The Doctor October did know that Basil wasn't dead, obviously, as we see here, right? And she never said anything, and she could have. In fact, she was kind of the one that's like, oh, Jim, he's dead. You know? I think she's definitely in on it. 100%. Yeah, see, when I read it, I chalked it up to this. I chalked it up to the idea that some of the Clayface was separate. And I and this has been this has been something that's popped up in past stories where yeah. you know Clayface can split himself into multiple people and things like that, and I just assumed that the intent was when he absorbed all that extra Clayface, that Clayface became huge and destructive and all of that, and left Basil by himself. Yes, but it wasn't actually uh. the entire bit of it, and like anything that was attached to that, yes, was killed and did die. But Dr. October was experimenting on an aspect of Clayface to try to find a cure. And in the process, because of her experimentation or whatever, she was using a bit of the Clayface. And then after the fact, it just became Basil again. Sentient? Yeah. Like, I'm, that, that, was, that was how I explained uh. it in my head when I, was, when I was reading. I was like, okay, well, that's probably what happened. Only because he was, she, he was involved with her. The idea that he's like, well, you know, let's go before I change my mind. It does feel like there's something that will happen with him. But, like, and here's the thing. I, I'm definitely not opposed to him being dead and then coming back here. That's not really what the issue is. It's more about the fact that, like, he's coming back, but we but we were led on this, like, three-month journey of everyone super pissed at each other because of it and that's the thing that's slightly frustrating see i that's where i disagree with what you just said there it is the fact that he's not dead to me right like you know i've always said this before when damien died blah 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 when you kill a character and it's not like i don't mean you fake kill someone at the end of end of an issue like, <laughs> well batman make it out alive right i mean when you kill it and it causes strife or you see a tombstone you put a body in the right you break up a team, then leave them dead for a calendar year. Right? It's comics. I'm not an idiot. I know they're all going to come back at some point. But leave them in the ground for one well, year. Well, they had an out. You they had an out in this like, situation that they just didn't use. The out was that Clayface could have died, but then instead of Basil coming back, it's a different yeah. person. Hagen. Hagen, Lady yeah. Clayface. Like, it, it could have been... It could, they could have gone that route. And I'm not honestly sure why they decided to go <laughs> this route, but... I just you're yeah it, it it is a valid criticism, and and it's so funny how we all saw it so differently. Steph, you saw it and yeah. was like, "This is bad." You saw it, Dustin. You had your own thing, and when I saw it, I just literally thought seriously, like without even skipping a beat in my mind, I went, "God, Kate's such a lying SOP." Like, like I was like, "This guy lies. Just this this guy lies about what color the sky is. Like, this is yeah. all this guy does." It is. It really yeah. is interesting because it's because we all interpreted it a completely different way. But yeah. because of that, I can only give it a four out of five. <laughs> I can forgive you for that. <laughs> All right. And and I, I know I gave a lot of crap to perfect scores, but Tony on, over on the website gave it a five and nothing against his score. I just wanted to make sure because I know that when, when Stella was around, she used to be, in my opinion, a little bit loosey-goosey with some of her ratings. But it was more about the idea of, like, you know, 
when I would give something that was really good, a score, it was more of like, well, why didn't you give it that? Or why didn't you give it something higher? And the thing is, a perfect score is a perfect score. And I look at those perfect scores like... That's rare, I, I mean, I when I watch a movie, on you know, I, I there, there's the ability to, to rate it where I watch my movies. There's a, there's a spot where you can just, you can rate the movie right then and there. And I will never hand out a five unless I find it to be the most amazing movie. I've got plenty of four and a halves, but like when it comes to perfect ratings, the movie has to be like absolutely perfect. And I can't have one problem with it. So, so like I said, Tony gave it five. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of four and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's over to the site for Greater Gotham. Starting off on May 16th, Main TV Books, we already talked about Batman number 47. Batwoman number 15, The Fall of the House of Cain, continues with Batwoman finally coming face-to-face with the mastermind behind the many arms of death. This is reviewed by Oliver. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I know I've done this before and it's not what I'm supposed to do, but it's neutral trending towards thumbs down. Neutral and I don't remember what happened. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. That's really the that sums up the series in general. Yeah. Harley Quinn, Harley loves the Joker number two in the midst of a mental conversation with her therapist self. Harley confronts her own fears and cycle of the need for Joker, all while trying to foil the Grayson for supplanting her as the Joker's main squeeze. So by David, he gave it four out of five. I'm gonna give this one a neutral. Neutral? Neutral, but I loved her talking to herself. Secondary TBU books, Batman Sins of the Father, number four, Bruce Wayne visits Floyd Lawton to learn the origin of Deadshot and makes a terrible mistake in the process. This is by Dan. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, number four, Bruce and Diana discover that the tomb of a beloved hero is desecrated. This is by Tony. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up, even if it's just for the art. Yeah. Justice League No Justice number two. The Justice League seek out trees to stop the Omega Titans from getting to Earth. This is by Corbin. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Abstain. I couldn't read it. I tried so hard. (laughs) I couldn't. It's heavy in continuity. I want to talk about the series after we get through the, the last issue here because... Yeah, uh, I've got some It's continuity heavy, though. It really is. All right, secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United, number 18, which includes digital chapters number 35 through 36, the bombshell versions of Harley Quinn, Bud, and Lou, Poison Ivy, Batgirl, Batwoman, Harper Road, Tim Drake, Beck King, Kathy Duquense, Alicia Yao, Nell Little, Joker, Joker's Daughter, Killer Croc, Ellen Yin, Sonia Alcana, Christmas Allen, Frankie Charles, Huntress, and Black Bat all appear in the issue. 
I mean, I, I know that the series is running its course, and, it's, and the last issue is actually releasing. So you're gonna get them all in. But man, they are they're just cramming those characters in. Damage number five, Poison Ivy appears in the issue. Green Lanterns number forty seven, Batman appears in the issue, as well as Thomas and Martha Wayne in a vision. Justice two number twenty six, which includes digital chapters number fifty one through fifty two. The Injustice versions of Harley Quinn, Batman, Alfred, Athanasia Al Ghul, and Catwoman appear in the issue. Next up, we have May twenty third. Main TBU books, Detective Comics number 981, we already talked about. Batgirl number 23, Batgirl attempts to break the hypnotic state she has been put in before she is trapped in her mind permanently. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Batman Beyond number 20, Batman and Robin's new partnership gets off to a rocky start. Meanwhile, there's some serious drama Ruined for Terry's personal life when Melanie decides to reconnect with him. Zuba Adele, he gave it three out of five and he gives one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I love Melanie. Abstain? Mother Panic Gotham AD number three. Violet navigates an updated Arkham Institute and its many secrets in the micro, hoping to find and rescue her mother. This is by Bob. He gave it three out of five and we give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. I just want to see this character interact with the regular Bat family somehow. Thumbs up. Secondary debut books, done that week. Main DC Universe books, Super Sons number 16. The final issue of Super Sons has arrived and the boys need to stop Kid Amazo before everything is all said and done. This is by Josh. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Justice League No Justice number three, the mission to save the trees, does not go as to plan as the Omega Titans make their way to Earth. This is by Corbin. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Oh, neutral. It wasn't as good as the last one, but thumbs down. I gave the last one a neutral, so. That's what I said. It was better than the Mystic. Upstate, I gave up. <laughs> Suicide Squad number 42. Batman and Deadshot are hot on Cobra's trail, looking to free Zoe Lawton, but the rest of Waller's squad is right behind them. This is by Bob. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. It's I don't know. Neutral. Then secondary DC Universe books, The Flash number 47, Batman appears alongside the Justice League in the Vision. Hellblazer number 22, Huntress continues her guest role in the series. The Silencer number 5, Leviathan and Talia al Ghul continue to play a main role in the series. Next up, May 30th, main TBU books, Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Robin vs. Ra's al Ghul number 1. Damien's night out before his father's wedding is interrupted by a deadly new foe. This is by Paul. He gave it 2 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Are we going to talk about this? We are. We're going to talk about this. Okay, so I'll just say right now, I'll say I gave it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Bane Conquest number 11. Bane and his cohorts pierce the mountain stronghold of Cobra as Bane suspects that Batman has infiltrated his gang. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Neutral. Secondary TV books, none that week. Main DC Universe books, Doomsday Clock number five. All of the chess pieces continue <laughs> to move forward in on the board of Doomsday Clock as some fates start to meet. This is by Jessica. She gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up! Justice League No Justice number 4. The League puts their plan into motion to stop the Omega Titans and save Earth. This is by Corbin. He gave it a 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I gave up. Abstain. <laughs> neutral. Super Sons Dynamut special number 1. John Kent and Damian Wayne are visited by a damaged Dynamut who needs help to save his best friend, Blue Falcon. This is by Jerry. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, The Flash Speed Buggy Special, number one. Batman, Robin, and Nightwing all have brief appearances in the issue. 
Green Arrow Annual Number 2, Batman makes a brief cameo as Batgirl plays her most prominent role as Oracle, helping a non-Bat family member in Rebirth. The Man of Steel Number 1, Killer Moth, and Firefly both appear in the issue. Finally, uh, TBU trades and hardcovers over the past couple weeks. We have Batman Ghost Trade Paperback, Nightwing Rebirth, Deluxe Edition Hardcover Number uh, Book 2 Hardcover, Dark Days The Road to Metal Hardcover, Titans Total Chaos Trade Paperback, Batman Nightfall Omnibus Volume 3 Night Send Hardcover, Batwoman Volume 2 Wonderland Trade Paperback, Injustice Ground Zero Volume 2 Trade Paperback. Alright, so before we move on, a couple things. So first I'm going to talk about the prelude. So the first prelude came out and it was Robin, and there's a couple of points that I want to talk about here. So the first one is, there's this vision that, that Damien has and I'm guessing it was brought on as a hallucination based off of Ra's al Ghul uh, being present. But there's this hallucination that Damien has where he has this like fear that Selina and Bruce are going to have a son. And that because they'll have the son from the very beginning, this son will grow up to be maybe possibly the more true heir to Bat- the Batmantle. And this character appears and is basically what Damien fears being replaced by this other version of this character. That was kind of strange for me. The the I did like the ending, which was Selina coming in from her bachelorette party and Damien being there and basically saying, I have a mother. And she's like, well, good, because I don't want to be your mother. And then she made a comment, like a, like a real snarky comment about, you know, we both have tendencies to do things that aren't always good. We need to watch out for each other. That was kind of cool, but at the same time, I think Jason Todd also has those tendencies, so I think he's being left out of that little moment. But thoughts on that specific prelude? I mean, we're going to get three more of them after this, but thoughts on that prelude? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, the drug-induced thing, there was a lot of Batman 666 in there. I'm sure you noticed that. You know, there was a lot of Batman 666 in there. I thought it was. I thought that the the beginning and the end uh, with Selena and Damien were the high points of it. But I do think that without the interlude in the middle, the ending, you don't see why Damien would be that concerned about. I think that this was an important issue. If Selena and Batman, or as it turns out, Batman and Catwoman, not Bruce and Selena, but if Batman and Catwoman are going to get married, then this is something that I think we needed to have some issue dealing with. Damien is. Bruce's son and underage son, right? Not like Dick Grayson off in Bloodhaven, you know? Like, we had to have this issue, and I'm glad we have it, and we see at least a template for what Damien and Selena's relationship was. And I, I, really I think enjoyed this it. is a good example where, like, even the title and the front cover have literally almost nothing to do with the rest of the issue, and it's, I like it so much, I don't care. Because I think it, it really should be like, um, Damien versus Damien almost because the the entire thing is a hallucination. I don't think Roz is ever even there because at the very end he's he's all alone and then in the hallucination is caused by the the tailor pricking him. So it almost doesn't make sense that it's Roz because how would Roz know what what Damien is going to hallucinate? I don't know. But all that said, it still leads into an amazing character study of what he's afraid of. Like, you have the tiny Dick Grayson sitting on Batman's shoulder, on, on D- Damien's shoulder, whispering to him. That was funny. <laughs> that, was, that was laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And it just shows, you know, a side of Damien we don't see, which is what everything that he's afraid of. Now, it, it's funny, too, because we just had this conversation about you can't really judge an mm-hmm. issue or a story 
until you look back on a historical concept, right? Like, how important is Batman 666 all these years after? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's constant, constantly, like, you can't go a year, and this is not me complaining, right? You can't go a year without some kind of reference to Batman 666. Seriously. Yeah, because there was the reference in Batman and Robin Eternal. There was a reference, I believe, in Batman Eternal. There was a reference in, well, there was the whole miniseries, Damien, Son of Batman. The whole Damien miniseries, yeah. There was a reference to it in Batman Beyond, I think, at one point. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of references. But it's one of those things like Killing Joke where you're never shocked when you go into a story and Batman 666 gets name-checked or mm-hmm. shown in the background. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... It's part of the mythos now, and an important part of it. And I liked the sneak peek we get that Selina will probably be part of the Harley Quinn versus Anarchy. Or what is it? No, it's not Harley Quinn. It's someone else. But, yeah, Batgirl. Uh, Batgirl. Because she she stumbles in, and she's like, that was total mm-hmm. anarchy. <laughs> it's like, oh, that'll be fun. That's definitely what it was. Yeah. So, while you're listening to this, the next one has come out too, which we'll talk about more in the next episode, but it confirmed a very specific thing that we were questioning. We were questioning whether or not it was Bruce and Selina getting married, or Batman and Catwoman getting married. And basically, there was, there was I, I thought about this prior to the issues coming out, I was like, okay, so how do you work this? And the only way it made sense in my mind is to have it be the Bruce and Selina way. But it doesn't explain the can, all of the villains that are being involved in these storylines because it just doesn't make any sense unless they know we definitively know that they know their that we know they know that Bruce Wayne is is Batman. So the the only way I saw it working was that Selina, you know, there's plenty of people who know who Selina is and know that she's Catwoman and Bruce Wayne because he's a playboy, he could be marrying her and then Catwoman could be using him as a mark for some long con or whatever. And then it kind of made sense. The idea, the other way around, which is Batman and Catwoman getting married makes sense in the scheme of let's have all these villains, you know, like Joker know about the wedding and all of that. It makes sense in that regard, but it doesn't make sense in a real world situation. I don't know how, cause it would be the dumbest idea ever. I, I don't know how you, I honestly have no idea how you explain this. Like it just, like there was a point that I read somewhere, which was, that, well, if it's Batman and Catwoman getting married, is the marriage even a legal marriage? And I was like, that's a <laughs> that's a really good point, and I don't know that it is. I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna trot him out in front of the Hall of Justice? Well, what's like, your social security number? Uh, where's your? Do you have? Are you legal resident in the United States? Uh, what are we doing here? Not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in jail for mass murder. You know, like. So, yeah, so ultimately it was, it was actually, it's revealed in the pages of the Nightwing Hush prelude, which when you're listening to this, that's released, the review's on the website for you to check out, but that, that one revealed that it's actually Batman and Catwoman getting married, not Bruce and Selina, which is... But, just... but it has to, because it, it does deal with the one real big question that we all had about this whole thing, right? Which was... How's Selena gonna get married if she's still wanted for mass murder? It's true. So, but still, but Catwoman's still wanted for mass murder too. She's the same person. But oh, but you're saying like in the like the legal sense of yeah, legal. Okay. yeah, yeah. Like, and here's how I think it's gonna be handled, little Ed Detective. So if you looked at the solicitation for Catwoman number two, the one we just looked at, or was it number one? Anyway, the solicitation says Selena gets a, a pair. This is Ed paraphrasing. Selena gets out of town to go clear her name, right? Yeah. So, 
It's not going to be dealt with pre-wedding, assuming that she gets married. So I think what will happen is, and I think, God, I hate to say this, and this is going to sound as negative as something that I've really enjoyed. <laughs> I think they're setting us up for another wedding. I really do. I would I would not doubt that. And maybe it's like issue 100. Because it Batman does explain why. Married. It does, exp- like, if the actual storyline that's following the wedding is actually just Bruce Wayne goes to jury duty and has nothing to do with Catwoman. I mean, obviously that's a red flag right there. It's like, well, why isn't Catwoman involved? But I guess if he's on jury duty and maybe he's being sequestered, she's not around, but it doesn't explain like, you know, Catwoman series is kicking off and she's leaving Gotham and like, there's all this stuff, but it would make perfect sense if they're setting up another wedding where it's actually Bruce and Selena getting married. Well, couldn't you see this be the ending of the wedding storyline in some way, shape or form? Hey, uh, Bruce, it's so great that we're married, uh, as Batman and Catwoman, but I really wish Bruce and Selena can get married. And for me to take care of that, I got to go clear my name. So I'll see you when I see you. Love you, babe. Like, that would be a little messed up. You know up. I'm not wrong, though. I know you're that not wrong. That sounds like exactly what will happen, um, right? And then she'll have her madcap adventure, clear name, Batman will go do Batman stuff. We'll see cut pages in their in their books of them talking to each other. I've almost got this done. I've almost got that done. Then they'll wrap it all up. She'll clear her name. She'll come back to Gotham. And then we'll have the whole storyline again. Bruce is, Bruce, that'll be Bruce and Selena engaged at social events and another marriage. That would tick me off. I mean, it also, I mean, like, there was a point where, like, somebody online made a comment that I remember seeing that said something about, well, you know, can you honestly believe that DC would sell a book called The Wedding Album and solicit that for October whenever it's coming out if they weren't actually going to go through the wedding? Why would <laughs> yes, anybody... Yes, a hundred times, yeah, yes. Yeah, like, why would yes, anybody buy a wedding album for a wedding that doesn't actually happen? I was like, that's a that's an extremely valid point. I don't know why they would, but the idea that she does go off and does her own thing, I mean... Ugh. We still celebrate the death of Superman and he ain't dead. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... They every was it ever it seems like every two years, probably like every five years, there's another release of the death of Superman. That guy ain't dead. Like we're comic fans, we're suckers. I get quarter vowels in like five formats. You know? Like why? It's stupid. So no, I, yeah, we're suckers. That's our fault. Okay, so then another real quick thing I want to talk about, because we got a bunch of listener comments and I want to make sure we get to at least a good chunk of them. The other thing I want to talk about is just like no justice. So here's my, here's my just immediate, immediate thoughts. This, if you remember, this was teased last year during Batman lost where Batman's looking at a, uh, in his library and he sees all these stories of like all of his big adventures. You see nightfall, you see no man's land, you see all these references to big, huge stories that have happened. Corvallis, Zero Year, a lot of the Snyder stuff. There's a lot of stuff like Hush and other stories that have happened that were that are part of like Batman's like they will stand the test of time is like when you sit here and say, Okay, so what are the most important stories? They were up there on that wall. The classic. Yes. Yeah. I will say just very simply, Just League No Justice does not belong on that wall. Was it on the wall? Oh yeah, it was. That's the hint. It was basically he was. There was a book up there that said "Just League No Justice," and it was like, "We know what all of these are, but what is Just League No Justice?" And he was like, "Oh well, that's hinting at something." And then it ended up being this miniseries. And I'm, I hate to say it. I mean, like, this series is not something that I'm going to remember in like six months. I mean, like this had. This was an interesting story idea. I'm not going to say it wasn't interesting, and I'm not going to say cute. it was yeah. somewhat enjoyable. But this is not a super like 
earth-shattering moment within the Batman world where he would have a book on this. Like, oh, well, remember that time that Brainiac kidnapped, all, you know, a good chunk of the heroes on Earth? And then he basically threw us into separate teams and said we had to go take out these these creatures, these Omega Titans that we never heard of before. And they were all going to come here through trees and we had to stop the trees from growing before they were able to get to Earth because they were going to destroy Earth. Yeah, and then remember how we were all saved because there was a couple of heroes that Brainiac didn't get back on Earth? I mean, like... Kind of the crappy ones? Man, like... Here's the thing, like, I don't know how much, because there's three writers' names on it, it's very hard to figure out who's who's who when it comes to what they were, like, what part of this they were. They could be all getting credit because it was just a collaborative, hey, we all came up with this idea, let's do it, but then somebody had to actually execute it and write the scripts. And the thing is, like, I don't feel like this story was all that great in the larger scheme. Is it a bad story? No. But it is not some sort of like massive event worthy story that it needed to be a, you know, told in a standalone weekly four issue miniseries. Well, here's my take on that. Standalone, you're 100% right. It does not belong in the the halls of vaunted stories like the ones you mentioned, right? Period. I don't think it was bad, though. And more than often, it's funny how we have these cyclical conversations on Comicast sometimes. I don't think that the big point of no justice was this story. The story was fine. The story is setting up what we will now refer to as the new Justice League universe, right? Justice League, JLD, Justice League in space. I can't remember what they're calling that one now. Odyssey. I think this story we we look back upon is either the story that restarted a, a good, solid Justice League universe that it's had its problems recently, and we finally get a great Justice League universe again, or if the new Justice League reboot is unsuccessful then the story will be forgotten, right? See, I don't see, I don't agree. I think that, if anything, Dark Knight's metal set things up for... 100%. To have, like, have yeah. Justice League stories more so than this. This is just... This, honestly... And, and like I said, it's not that it's a bad story. It's not it's horrible. It's not terrible. It's not bad. Yeah. I gave it a neutral. I gave that one issue a, a, a negative, and nah, that was only because the issue was got just... Got off the rails a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, like it was like, where are we going? We're just like floating here, and we're not moving anywhere. We're not moving forward. But the thing is, I it just comes down to like this seems like a story that could have easily been told in a Just League series, like not necessarily right the second. But I don't feel like coming out of this that there's like there was a couple of things in the last issue that set certain things up, like Martian Manhunter being the chairperson of you know, of the Just League, Green Arrow being dictated as the person who's the most important by Martian Manhunter and whatever he's got in his hands that can take down the entire Just League. Like it there's certain parts that set things up for it, but it just doesn't feel like any of that stuff couldn't have happened in some other situation. That's all. It's just it just doesn't That's feel like criticism, I guess. It, it just feels like it could have happened as a normal four issue story arc in Just League at some point, not necessarily to kick kick the series off by any means but you know as a story just to tell and that's that's the issue that i i, I think i have with it it's not that it was like i said it's not that it's horrible so i'll leave it and steph you seem to be on dustin's side because you couldn't even finish it i don't like when there's so many characters talking at the same time and doing so many things and they're in space and i just i don't care it's like just i i liked the dc nation zero that was enough for me. I was like, oh, they're all in different teams. That's so interesting. That's good enough for me. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, there's four more whole issues? We are doing this thing in comic books now where we are doing prequels that 
are as long as the story sometimes. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this whole lead up to the wedding, you know? Like, it can be annoying. I did see someone suggesting that they were essentially going to redo Tower of Babel. They better not. Well, that's what like, it sure seemed like. They better not. Like, dude, like, we've already got Tower of Babel. It's one of those four and a half almost perfect comics. Yeah. Right? You don't got to do it again. You never got to do it again. It's fine. Sorry. Got to get off my chest. All right. So with that, that's all of Greater Gotham. We're going to jump into listener comments, but we're really probably only going to do about half of these. (laughs) Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. If you remember the last episode, we were talking about the Marvel Unlimited thing, and it turns out there's a bunch of people who know what it is, and they wrote us comments, and there was one specific comment that came over on Twitter from EW Loves Comics, and they said, really, you guys, you don't know about Marvel Unlimited app? It's incredible. What rocks do you guys live under, LOL? Over 20,000 comics, every newly released comic arrives exactly six months after initial release. Lots of back issues, for example, Incredible Hulk has 376 comics out of 474. About 10 to 15 more back issues released weekly cost $10 per month. So so real quick, I wanted to talk about this. It's not that I live under a rock. It's that I live under a rock that's called (laughs) the Batman Universe slash the extended DC and that that rock has so much shade over it that there's absolutely no way that I could possibly have time for anything Marvel. It is good to know that this is actually that, that this is actually what it is. There's a couple of interesting things that I that I thought about having twenty thousand comics that are released every six months and all you got to do is pay or and all the new comics released six months after they initially come out and you only pay ten dollars a month like I I don't know exactly if there was controversy around when this thing launched or not but it feels like they're immediately like taking away potentially anybody going to a comic shop to buy anything but a new comic because if you were going to go look for back issues. You could just get this thing and then it's a heck of a lot cheaper than going and even paying like a dollar or a quarter or 50 cents for a back issue at a comic shop. So if you only got six months to get it before it's on this thing, it doesn't it doesn't serve the comic shops to actually have this stuff for that long. Also, I have to wonder, like, what's the point of having collected editions or going and buying a collected edition of a series if you could just get all the collected issues on this app? put it on your shelf well yes obviously that but i'm just saying like in the larger scheme of things no no but i i think that you're right i don't know like and here's the thing too like i don't know if you've been in a comic store recently because i know we're both mail order dudes i mean i live in the sticks but like the last comic my local store that i go into occasionally they just have new issues they don't have back issues there was yeah when i used to live in kansas that's exactly how the comic shop that i used to get i used to go to if i wanted to actually go stuff i still had a mail order but if i wanted to go to a a place they had they just had new stuff if you wanted them to pull stuff for you they would do it for you no problem but it was not it was not a comic themed store it was like they used it for you know like different types of games and role-playing games and miniature games and all kinds of other stuff. It was in a college town, so they had a lot of... They would have people come in and use it for that. And yeah, comics was just something that they offered, but it wasn't something that they they sold like so many comic shops do where they sell 
like you walk in and the, the you know like 85 percent of the store is is comics and back issues if batman 47's on the rack you might find a couple issues of 46 tucked behind it you know what i'm saying but that's about it in my in my local comic comic shop they don't i, I actually asked the guy I, I was looking for something i can't remember what it was now and i asked the owner of it i said hey you know you got you got a bin around here you know i'm looking for i can't remember what i was looking for now but and he goes, no, nah, I man, we don't do that. He's like, there's no money in that. We don't do that anymore. I, I'm not surprised by that at, at all, honestly. I mean, I can't imagine there being that much money in, in it. Because, I mean, if you could... He actually told me to go to eBay. He actually, the owner of the store said, you should just go get it off the eBay, dude. That's what everyone else does. All right. Kind of sad. So, so that's the Marvel app. Now, to say that whether or not DC will actually come up with something that's similar, who knows. It doesn't feel like DC's in market to do something like that, but I could be wrong. It feels like DC um, is, so, and I say this knowing that Marvel does very similar things, but with all the variants and the collected editions and the multiple versions of collected editions, which I'm sure Marvel does all the exact same type of stuff, it seems like it would not be wise for them to do that because at least the comic stores, if they over-ordered and they weren't returning it, they could actually sell those comics as back issues if DC started an app it would present a problem where, oh, suddenly you can't get that. But what do I, you know, I could be completely wrong. I, I, I wish I, I, I feel like I need to go back and do some research as to whether or not there was controversy around when this Marvel app was released. If DC does it, it'll be part of their all-inclusive DC whatever it's going to be called. Yeah, the thing. thing is, I don't know that I'm super interested in paying like $10 a month and the main pull of that app, or, you know, their, their thing is here's a bunch of digital comics. I don't need a massive library of digital comics. That's not something I care about every single month. Now, am I interested in paying maybe five, six dollars a month having the availability to stream all the DC TV series from the past, present and future? Sure. That's not bad. I mean, my kids love the, the, you know, those streaming apps. And if I can get them to, here's an app, it only has DC stuff on it, then, you know, I'm just teaching them and I can but consider myself a good parent. Are they going to be able to get, like, I'm just being honest about this. This is kind of off topic for a second, but are they going to be able to put, like, the current CW stuff in there? Doesn't CW have its own app and licensing agreement? Well, it has its own app, but it's already, but the thing is, all that stuff that happens after the show airs, it all goes through Warner Brothers. So even if it is on CW, like, all those shows end up on Netflix. They're all on Netflix, but I guess if Netflix... You think they'll yank them off Netflix? I don't... Well, who knows? I don't, I don't think that'll happen, but, I mean, there's no nothing that says that they make a deal with Netflix where it ends up being on the DC streaming app, too, and Netflix doesn't have to pay as much money for the rights to have them on Netflix. That's entirely possible. But I think, I think for this to work, for someone to go out and end up, for the app, not me and you, not hardcore comic DC guy or <laughs> hardcore keep DC girl for stuff, right? For not, for not us, but for the average Joe that you're trying to get to buy your streaming service, it's going to have to be more than new Teen Titans or Justice League. Yeah, you know it's going to have to be like, a massive amount of stuff. And the thing is, the I've said this before, the app that's the app that Warner Brothers has that's called Boomerang, which is Basically, in my opinion, the trial run of what they wanted to do with the DC streaming service, which is called DC Universe, they Boomerang launched April of 2017. It initially was releasing like a group of like 13 to 20 episodes every single week. Eventually, they had their own exclusive shows. They now have even more exclusive shows. There were shows that like Cartoon Network canned, like New Scooby-Doo or 
new Looney Tunes or new Tom and Jerry that Cartoon Network didn't care about anymore, that they started making new episodes specifically for the streaming service. It's very similar to what we're seeing with what's happening with the DC streaming service. And the thing is, like, I feel like Boomerang is a perfect example, but Boomerang right now has like well over a thousand episodes of, of, of television on their app. And that's and it, it didn't take like that long for them to get to that. Well, what's much. it cost? It only costs thirty nine ninety nine per year if you buy it up front, which translates like four dollars a month or a little over four dollars a month. I just if if the average consumer has because almost everyone has Netflix now. Yeah. Right. If the average consumer has Netflix and Flash, Legends, Arrow, Supergirl, whatever, right, are on Netflix, you're gonna have to give the average Joe a reason mm-hmm. to go buy another. Service. Oh, I agree. I agree. And you have like the thing is they're banking on the those exclusive stuff. That's why they are announcing them because honestly, when Boomerang launched, they did not have they they launched like a Wizard of a Dorothy Wizard of Oz type series. That was exclusive. It was never aired anywhere else. They brought, they rebooted Wacky Races, but those didn't come out for like the first four, five months, four or six months or something. Quite a bit into it, though. Yeah, so it wasn't right away. It was like they initially, like they had already planned on having them. And there's other series that they, like, there was just at the TV upfronts, they like released this massive load of stuff that they're going to be releasing in the next couple, you know, within the next year. And they've actually got exclusive rights to another series that was coming from Britain. And they n- announced like six other series are getting new seasons and things like that. Like they're not holding back. Like it's clearly successful because it, if it wasn't successful, they wouldn't be making more and more series that are only airing on this app and maybe in, you know, off our runs right. on Cartoon Network or on the Boomerang channel itself. So the thing is, like, there's certain things where it makes perfect sense that it's working. DC, on the other hand, has to go a different route. They can't just launch with, here, here's a massive back library of all this stuff that we previously has released. They have to launch with some of the exclusive stuff, and that's why we're seeing Titans and Harley Quinn and Young Justice as, like, they're launching Doom points. Patrol, did you see that? What's that? They're making a live-action Doom Patrol Yeah, show. Doom Patrol. They're also doing Swamp Thing. And I honestly believe that Doom Patrol will lead to another one. I feel like the Titans, Doom Patrol... I don't know if Swamp Thing's going to be in the same group. But I feel like they're creating like a CW Arrowverse on the streaming app where all these shows will be interconnected. And because they release, like, here's... 13 episodes that you can just watch right away. I feel like they can do what they do with the Marvel shows where they can space them out a little bit more where, you know, you can have like Titans drops day one, but then six months later you've got doom patrol. And then six months after that, or four months or whatever, then you've got the next series where, and then you get back to doing Titans. Like they did with daredevil, how daredevil mm-hmm. season two didn't come out until right, right, right. later on. So just make sure they're all connected. Don't have a bunch of independent shows. Exactly. Just don't do that. Exactly. The, the interconnected part is, is crucial to the success. And they got to connect with the CW shows. You can't throw away four years of all that continuity. I'm not going to sit here and say they have to connect to the CW shows because That'd the be thing, dumb. well, here's the thing. The reason why I say that is because if you start connecting, like, here's the thing. At some point, Black Lightning will most likely end up getting connected. Probably not right away. I, I'm sure it won't happen until later on at the end of season Something. two yeah, or, yeah. or past that. But, like, that puts, like, that's five shows that have got connected. It seems like they're already getting to a point where, 
Like, it's one thing if the characters just make appearance, but when they try to do these crossovers where they've got so many characters, and last year's crossover actually worked out really well compared to the previous years, but, like, there's so many characters, it's insane. But that's a comic book universe. It's true. Like, it is true. I mean, I just don't know if your average consumer is going to walk into the DC app and say, oh, there's Flash, there's another mm-hmm, Flash on mm-hmm. the CW. You know, like... Yeah, I agree. I think that could be... And, and like... The great thing about the DC universe is we've got so many characters. Okay, we got a great Flash show. You know, I'm not telling you to remake Flash. Right. You know, you yeah. can have the, you can even recast the Flash if Grant Gustin decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Just don't throw the continuity away. I agree. I mean, that's all. Okay. So unfortunately, we're not going to get to the other comments. We will, however, read them on the next episode because there's a lot of comments. Unless here. you give us 15 <laughs> more comments, then we're just well, we'll just make more time. But the, actually, the next episode that you listen to will actually be the special episode 250, which will release next Friday, so that you have that. That is a non-news, non-comic review episode. But the next episode, which will be episode 251 in two weeks, will actually cover all of these comments. And we'll make sure that we make time for them. I mean, obviously, we talked about Detective Comics, I think, for like 30 minutes. And I don't know that we'll be doing that next month. So, And we had a ton yeah. of news this month. We had like 12 news stories. Yes, and we also had tons of news because of solicitations. And there's always news with the solicitations. So we will get to these comments. Don't worry if your comment has not been read or we have not commented on it. There's a bunch. There's at least two comments here that I'm reading that I'm looking at that have a bunch of questions. And I would love to get to some of those questions. And um, for, I want to put for John, we do want to talk about the Amazon print on demand. Yes, we do. We definitely, we want to, And if we do it now, we won't be able to give it its due and talk about it. So I, I we do want to talk about that is a really interesting thing you brought yes. up. Yes. All right, so with that, that's everything for this episode. Be sure to head over to the website for the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Be sure to leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are greatly appreciated. Be sure to check out all of the other podcasts we have to offer. There are tons of new episodes releasing all the time, so check them all out. And with that, leave your comments in the comment section for this episode, and we'll get to those on the next episode, I promise. Even if we have to run late, we will cover them next episode. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Dad. This is Ed. You've been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys just next week.